Welcome to Shift, a podcast series with Jared and Corey, designed to change how we own our individual journeys and our collective growth. Let's explore the dynamism of the human condition together. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Jared. I'm here with Corey. Hey, how's everybody doing? And uh, today we're talking about vulnerability. Um, you know, what is it? Why is it important? Why is it so hard to be vulnerable mm-hmm. for individuals, for groups to, to have the kind of uh, conversations that really need to happen yeah. for to, to kind of, you know, to make thing to make change, to drive mm-hmm. impact and affect change. Um, so... I mean, I've got some ideas around vulnerability, um, but I'd love to hear, you know, Corey, what, um, you know, what, how do we, how are we defining vulnerability? What does that even mean? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because we've covered empathy and compassion in, in other episodes, and for both of those to really work, I think it requires a certain level of vulnerability. And I look at vulnerability as your ability to let down your guard, but also not just letting down your guard, but actually showing up to in a situation where you're willing to take risk. And so when I think of vulnerability, I think of in, in order for us to really uh, be more vulnerable, like we have to be willing to see a world where risk taking is OK yeah. and where we are allowed to be ourselves and where we can open up and share that with other people. Right. Co- yeah, I, I agree with that uh, kind of framing. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions come to mind. You know, one, why is it why is it hard for people to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think it's important that our listeners understand because I agree that being vulnerable um, does involve risk taking. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's a little bit different than say uh, entrepreneurial, you know, risk taking like starting a business. I mean, yes, you do have to be vulnerable if you're going to start a business, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit different. That's more kind of like economic, right. maybe social capital kind of thing. But I think is it fair to say that the risk taking we're talking about in this uh, context around vulnerability is really around emotional mm. risk taking, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's funny when I looked at the definition of vulnerability, it reminded me of why it's so difficult mm. because the definition really focuses on harm. So you're uh, you're talking about oh, vulnerable being vulnerable is I'm exposed to the possibility of being harmed or I'm potentially more susceptible to damage Mm -hmm. and when we think about why it's difficult certainly in an emotional context it's like well if you're telling me to be vulnerable i don't want to be emotionally harmed or i don't want to look at this as i'm emotionally weak and i think vulnerability is hard because we don't talk about it from a context of strength but we talk about it as a sign of weakness like don't be vulnerable yeah vulnerable is well, in so many other contexts like cybersecurity mm-hmm. and you know national security, all the you know like oh the, you know, it's a vulnerable situation. It's a you know even in sports, right? They use that like oh that was a vulnerable defense because they're easy to penetrate. Blah right. blah blah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we do think of it as a weakness, but I think what we're agreeing on is that how can we flip that? How can we shift that? Right. Yeah. And where we say Ooh, keyword. Yeah. How can we shift it where hey vulnerability with the right um, cuz it's different like it's a it's a strength 
but it doesn't mean just melodrama. It doesn't mean TMI. It doesn't mean you know all that stuff. It means um, using, letting people kind of see mm. a little more of you, especially yeah. if you're in a leadership position yeah. or kind of where you you know a lot of people are looking up to you. Yeah. You know, I love what you said about yeah. letting people see more of you yeah. because I think that that for me is the key to vulnerability. It's not. Like again, like there is this idea to look at vulnerability as like potentially negative because people associate like oversharing or big TMI, like those ideas or those concepts. But really, it's even reframing that because what is too much yeah. or what is oversharing? What is inappropriate? What is inappropriate? You can see our our air quotes here. Yeah, yeah. but the <laughs> idea is actually if that is core to who you are and like how you show up and how mm -hmm. it frames your understanding of the world or the space that you're in that you need to be vulnerable in, then is it really too much? And is it actually more kind of destructive or more uh, hurtful to the situation to not exactly. like actually walk in that thing? Well, yeah. I mean, really, could it, would you agree that really what we're talking about is trust, mm -hmm. right? So, Trust and, and psychological safety. Um, I know uh, probably a lot of our listeners are big fans of Brene Brown, as, mm -hmm. as I am and as we are. And she says, and I can't remember the exact quote, but really she, she says, trust is really like making something that's important to you, you know, vulnerable to someone else's, um, what does she say, like someone else's reaction or someone else's mm -hmm. judgment. Mm -hmm. So, hey, this is, this is important to me. I'm going to share it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to kind of trust you mm -hmm. to, you know, be there with me. And then if, 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 if the other person can't or won't or doesn't kind of, you know, support that, embrace that, like, then you're going to be like, whoa, yeah, I don't, okay, I, don't, I can't trust you. I can't be vulnerable. So then I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, close down. I'm not going to share. I'm not going to, you know, be open to who I really am. Yeah, and it's important that you said that about trust because vulnerability, I also think, is a two-way street, right? Mm. So it doesn't happen kind of like a lock without a key. It's like, what good is, <laughs> is the lock if you don't have yeah. the key to open it? But for vulnerability, it's the same thing. Like, the trust is the actual component that puts those two together. It's the relationship between, like, me opening up and somebody being receptive yeah. to the opening. So if mm -hmm. I understand that it's important to take risks, it's important to be myself and open up, but I don't have the support or trust that I'm in a yeah. system that allows that to happen, then it's not going to feel good to do it. And then likewise, if you're in a system where you're saying, I believe in vulnerability and it's important for people to open up, but you have people who are unwilling or unable to like take those risks or mm -hmm. actually share themselves authentically, then it's the same thing. It's like you yeah. have a system that actually is not working because the components aren't yeah. plugged in. Or I mean, we're, we're talking about psychological safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that's, you know, at places like Google and other big companies, they, they talk about that. And I, I, in my work and probably in your work, you know, you see different organizations and even on the smaller, more nuanced level, kind of micro level, like different teams or departments where, where there actually really is psychological safety and where there, where there isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and when 
there's a, when there's a clear understanding and, and spoken kind of, hey, this is a safe space to be yourself, mm-hmm. then that allows for vulnerability. Yeah. And then when you're vulnerable, it's okay because you're psychologically safe. So it's like this recipro- reciprocal kind of, you know, circular, cyclical thing, yeah. which is really powerful. And so I guess what I'm interested in is, you know, how do we get more leaders, um, especially, or people in position of power who, who you know, are, are listening to us right now going, yep, yep, yep. How do we get them to um, be what, what Rhodes Perry, who wrote a book called Belonging at Work, calls them possibility models? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes I think people don't even know that this is a way to be. Mm-hmm. So they need someone in a position of, of authority and confidence um, to say, like, yeah, this is okay, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to model it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it seems like the a simple answer I'm going to dig deeper is that we have to convince ourselves that vulnerability is important mm-hmm. at all times. And I think as we're talking about so then what can leaders do? I think leaders set the tone in spaces that they have some authority in or certainly where they are a figurehead or a role model mm-hmm. or a presence to really set the tone of how vulnerability shows up yeah. for them. And, and how do they do that? Yeah. I so probably before even getting to like the personal aspect of the emotional aspect, we talked or you mentioned the like economic or the financial or, or other components of vulnerability. I actually think there are ways probably to model though like vulnerability in a lot of facets that make sense to a business or to an organization that then allow people to take that leap of the kind of emotional step. So right. if we're thinking about an organization, it's okay, do you allow new ideas in team meetings do you allow other people to step up and lead projects without kind of the eagle-eyed oversight of (laughs) like a higher up or a hierarchical structure like do you provide those components for growth do you let people speak up even if you know their idea or opinion is going to be in the minority of what the company or you know people on the team are already going into and then i think from there you can then say like, hey, this is an environment that is open to different types of vulnerability because mm-hmm. we allow you to take risk and we deal yeah. with uncertainty really well. So you should also then feel free to bring yourself into this space yeah. because we want that part of you to inform the decisions and the the way that you're doing your work in this space. So I love all that. And I, I would just add that once or as that uh, vibe and that tone and that kind of culture is being set. Mm-hmm. I think part of the way to do that is through storytelling. Mm. I'm glad you said you know, that. It's through, mm. So if I'm, you know, I, I was facilitating a, at a big company in Silicon Valley. I guess it's probably back in the fall, um, and it was there were about 50 people, it's all internal, and we had four facilitators. We all went into a room. We had some questions about inclusive leadership. So we blah blah blah. We came back to the the big group. And we were sharing kind of the takeaways from mm-hmm. our four, maybe 12, 15 person groups. And one of the big things around kind of frustrations or observations was that leader, like the, the, the rank and file folks, didn't feel that they knew their, their leader, mm-hmm. their supervisor, their, you know, whoever the, their executive sponsor, whoever it was, um, didn't feel like they really knew them. Mm-hmm. They might have, you know, felt they were competent and they were nice, and you know, so it wasn't necessarily that there was a problem, 
but they're just like, yeah, I don't really know them. I don't mm-hmm. share much. I, you know, they're very, they're always just business-like and they're polite and everything, but they're just like that unwillingness. It's like, you know, this kind of, well, that's not professional. Right. Um, but this group of 50, like to a person, like everyone's like, we want that. We need that. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, you know, get leaders to go, yeah, I'm in a position of power. I'm in a position of authority and people are looking up to me. I have a responsibility. I have accountability, all these things. And I can still do all that and be effective. In fact, more effective mm-hmm. if and when I share something personal about myself. Yeah. I share an anecdote. I talk about my kids. I talk about when I made a mistake here and this. I talk about race and identity and yeah. all these different things, even if I'm not a quote-unquote expert. Yeah. Right? So I think that's yeah. that's where it really starts to shift. When I think you know? about my experiences in the workplace, when I have felt like I've had the best managers or best leaders, it has been when I felt like I could connect with them on a human level. Mm-hmm. So when beyond just the business of the project or the mission of the organization, I could actually see them as an individual who had a life to live, who had ways that they saw the work because it was inspired from life experiences, Mm -hmm. or who actually just took the time to see how I showed up outside of work and how it influenced my daily work uh, was important to me. And I realized that helped me be more productive. And what I think you're getting at is actually... Uh, it removed the stigma from like yeah. vulnerabilities mm-hmm. value and actually going to shout you out because <laughs> I remember you shared an article with me that you wrote on um, kind of thinking about um, the personal as a universal yeah. thing and in, in the context of storytelling. And I love that idea because essentially what I felt like your article was saying was that if we look at the stories and we look at our personal experiences just by sharing them and opening up and being more vulnerable uh, through that story, we are giving other people permission yep. to also own their stories or then to also share their stories. And what I love about yeah. that is, again, it seems like the goal is you want to destigmatize what it means to have a story. Mm-hmm. And so you do that by being the person to open up or being a yeah. person who is willing to share your story. Yeah, thanks for that shout out. And that's that's exactly right. It's... Um, you know what it, what it comes down to, a, a lot of it, you know, we're all on a journey, right? Whether it's an allyship journey, I know we've talked about and we'll talk about more in future episodes, um, but this personal journey of, of transformation, of our evolution of consciousness, really, really what it's about is, is self-actualization, right? How, do, how does each one of us individually get to a place, and there's no finish line, but kind of continually getting to a place where we like, we know who we are, and we know what's important to us and why. And again, not that it's a finished product, but we're still, but we're competent and confident enough where we're like, hey, I want to share this with all of you so that you can figure out what your thing is and share it with all of us. And it builds that team camaraderie and that cohesion stuff, which you know, leads to creativity and innovation mm-hmm. and all the good things that we want from business in the first place, right? So, yeah. So I love this idea that you brought up of self-actualization and the idea of a continuous journey because I think it's important to see our own progress in this space as we talk about shifting from a lens of what can we do to continually grow. And vulnerability is an important part of that um, and helping us know ourselves better 
So I'm curious as we are thinking about how we build vulnerability, what for you stands out as a story or a moment where you feel like vulnerability helped you know who you are better or helped you see the space you were in yeah. better? Yeah, for me, it's it's really about self-reflection and, and self-assessment, kind of looking back on where I've been and being honest with, you know, because here we are doing this this podcast and we both do work in inclusion and diversity and equity and you know we're kind of quote-unquote experts in that field right but that's not really the point the point is how how did I get here and giving people permission like okay I wasn't always this way so one thing I'm thinking of is I was probably about 24 25 and I was writing the 19 pulp uh, in, in San Francisco and I had gone to a bookstore. I was I was visiting my dad in the city south of Market, and I'd read the Polk up to a bookstore, kind of Russian Hill on Polk Street, and I had a stack of books, and one of them was uh, Invisible Man mm. by Ralph Ellison, mm-hmm. and I was just sitting on the bus, and in about a couple stops down, um, a black man gets on, and the bus is kind of empty. It's like a Tuesday night, nine thirty, you know, and he kind of he sits down right next to me. I'm like, okay, it's interesting, All right? And he starts, kind of strikes up a conversation about Invisible Man. He's like, that's a great book. It changed my life, blah, blah, blah. And I never really had like an intellectual conversation with a stranger on a bus, let alone a black man. Mm-hmm. But we start talking and he say, I said, yeah, my dad's He's like, yeah, your dad's a smart man. We talked about his life growing up in, I think it was Brooklyn and me here. And for about 10 minutes, I had this really cool conversation about it. He's like, all right, you know, yeah, read that book. It's going to change your life. And he gets off, and then a couple stops later, I get off, and I go back to my dad's house. He's like, oh, you know, what'd you get? And I say, yeah, I got this book. And I had this this conversation with this guy, and I was telling him about it. And I could tell my dad was kind of, like, proud of me. Like, I'd kind of broken out of my, like, kind of provincial kind of world that I had lived in that far. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the end of the story, I said, yeah. And he was actually a really smart guy. Mm. And it showed that I was on this path. But still in my head, I had this, this message, this image that, you know, a black man being smart was actually the exception. Mm-hmm. And so that was 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that as a, a kind of a seminal moment in my tr- evolution of consciousness. Like, wait a second, you got to shift your whole thing, like where you grew up and what you grew up with and these biases and norms and all this stuff, like you got to shift those if you really want to, you know, make an impact on uh, in the world and the work you do. So, yeah, yeah, that was, that was something really, you know, it'd be easy for me to go, oh, that was embarrassing and I don't want to tell that because that's, that's bad. But that was what happened. Yeah. And so it's not like that's bad, you know, let me snap you on the wrist, let me punish you. It's like, okay, what have you done about it in the last 20 years? Yeah. No, thank you yeah. for that vulnerability. It reminds me, and not to get into a, whether it was right or wrong, but there yeah. was this uh, um, conversation that had been happening. I'm a super like movie geek, particularly for like sci-fi and fantasy, and so there uh, had been conversations about uh, the director James Gunn mm-hmm. of uh, the movies Guardian of Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, um, and so there was um, kind of this expose of his tweets or his messages on social media from like years ago i forget how long but like several years before like today and he were saying some very like hateful things some very uh inappropriate things about different identities and 
while his justification for that was that it was meant to be kind of like this, like, at the time, justification was like it was meant to be this sort of, like, humor, like, taking um, a dark twist of responsible humor. Like, people were not okay with it. But also, kind of to your point, um, the person that he was then didn't seem like the person that he was today because he had spoken about that time in his life several times. If you actually did further research on kind of who he was as an individual and like his career in Hollywood and all of that. And he put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, by supporting a lot of different initiatives or causes up to like the Me Too movement that had been kind of sparked in Hollywood, um, with the expose of Harvey Weinstein and then other people to follow. And so it was kind of at a point when he did get like initially fired by Disney. And I bring this up because they recently rehired him uh, for the film yeah. that he was initially slated to do. It was just an interesting uh, like kind of reversal, but I think it goes back to this idea when you talk about vulnerability of, you know, he has been vulnerable enough to kind of share that not only was he wrong with that, he is never going to actually make up for that thing but yeah. what he can do is actually just learn from it and like move forward and try to do the right thing through his work or through his ability and his privilege and you know his positional I, and his authority, positional yeah, authority. Yeah. And so I respected the journey that he had been on um, prior to ever hearing about these things but even once I heard and started doing digging and research it's like well I can appreciate that he was intentional about knowing it was wrong and trying to make a change yeah. so that really stands out to me. Um, so yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. You've been listening to Shift, a podcast series with Jared and Corey, designed to change how we own our individual journeys and our collective growth. I want to thank you for joining us for today's podcast on vulnerability. We hope you got a lot out of that and uh, would love for you to follow us and to check out our work. Jared, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks, Corey. Uh, you can find me at uh, jaredcarroll.com. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-A-R-O-L.com. Uh, and also at thirdstoryrevolution.com, where using uh, the power of narrative for st- uh, strategic storytelling, for team building, leadership development, creating cultures of belonging. And I know, Corey, you do a lot of work in this space, too. Where can people find you? Yes, you can find me at coreyponder.com. That's C-O-R-E-Y-P-O-N-D-E-R. And also, I have a business, Impact Strategies. That's E-M-P-A-C-T. And we're focused on the conversation around empathy and how you can use that to build inclusion and allyship. So if you want resources on that, feel free to check me out. Cool. And then uh, be sure to join us for our next episode where we dive into curiosity. We'll yeah. see you then. Yeah.